Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Thomas. And together we're the co-founders of Cytix. And today we're joined by Chris Hodson, CSO of Cyberhaven. Chris joins us with 20 plus years experience in cybersecurity. So, Chris, where should we start? Now, that was just sounded incredibly structured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you for the warm yeah. introduction. Where should we start? Um, well, in terms of my background and stuff, or in terms of like I mean, let's industry go on. challenges? Give us, give us 15 seconds on your background, and then we'll get into something Yeah, important. cool, man. Um, so I suppose the last 10 years in vendor world, so yeah. like the dark side of cybersecurity. Mm. Um, so building products, but also like building security organizations. So mm. people focus on, you know, you're a vendor CISO, you're out selling shit every day, yeah. but um, actually building the security functions that support these organizations. So that's been super cool. Prior to that, like end user world. Yeah. So like banks, um, largely banks, a bit of retail, again, sort of CISO work, architecture. Mm-hmm. So it's been a fun ride. It'd be good to talk today. So let's go there then. Security for security companies. Now, obviously, as we've learned in recent years and pretty much all the years that whilst security companies, you'd think from the outside looking in, would have infallible security, mm-hmm. that inevitably is not the case, yeah. as we've seen particularly recently, but, but periodically throughout the years. So yeah. God, talk to me about about how you approach security for security companies and and particularly like, you know, the reputational risk there is huge. It is. There's almost like dissonance or polarization though in the sense of like, you know, you're a startup organization and every dollar or every cent or every penny over here like counts, right? So you have this real kind of like commercial battle from time to time. Do you fortify your internal security Mm. or do you hire another engineer to develop some Mm. product stuff, right? So that I think, I was thinking in my head that that's unique, possibly... Possibly it isn't, but it feels unique to like the tech space, like the security in the tech space of like actually explaining that, hey, even in the security world, like do we deliver something that our customers will improve their security for mm-hmm. or or that we do internally? So I think it all comes back, and I'm sure you've heard this from everyone, but it does come back to having a CISO who can articulate the importance and align it to I mean, articulate the importance of like the why. Yeah. Like, why are you doing this thing? Like, hey, we're going to spend $100,000 on like a new CSPM solution or mm. a SIM or whatever it is, or vulnerability management, for example, rather than saying, hey, I need a tool, I decouple that and say, right, here's the commercial impact or the reputational damage potentially, yeah. or compliance as well. Like, if you, especially in the security space, our end users have to have suppliers that are, for example, SOC 2 or they've been through mm. their ISO or, you know, they have this level of pen testing or security assurance. If those controls that you're like putting in your organization help you get closer to that, the sales teams invariably will go, right, that will help us close a deal faster or, you know, provide an assurance to a potential prospect. So that's a really long answer, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a difficult balance, to be honest. And I don't think it gets any easier as the company gets more mature. I've been in companies at various different stages and there's always the questions on dollars. Like, hey, yeah. do we really need this thing? Yeah, it's one of them, isn't it? Like, uh, you speak to a lot of people that one of their biggest problems is, is, is communicating security to the board and getting the message across. I yeah. guess that isn't much of an issue. Like, people get what you're trying to do straight away. Yeah. What you're saying is probably still financial constraints to be mindful of. But yeah. I guess it's not a case of proving the value of doing this security thing. It's more yeah. fitting it in. It's, I'll tell you what, I t- yeah, you're absolutely right. I'll tell you something that definitely is unique in like early stage to kind of growth stage security companies is you might only be 100 or 500 people, but when you've got the world's largest organizations mm-hmm. as customers, like they expect your security to be commensurate with their security. Yeah. So, you know, you've got a 40,000 end user financial services organization. Yeah. They're not going to go, oh, well, you don't need to have XYZ because you're 200 people. They, you're part of their supply chain. 
Yeah. And if you're part of the supply chain of these big companies, they expect your security to be mm. the level that theirs is. So I'm giving all my secrets away here. <laughs> that is how I would pitch to maybe not the board, but certainly a leadership team. Like if you're struggling for money for your security program, mm. but yet your ICP is large enterprise. Yeah. Like, right, well, you need large enterprise security, which business units don't always want to hear. But mm. well, are you not? So with most companies, people's a big thing, right? Yeah. You've got, you know, you're a CISO of a business and often people, I've heard it so many times now, good CISOs gain buy-in from the whole business, from marketing, from HR, yeah. from operations, and they turn everybody into security people. Yeah. Or at least yeah. that's what's written down as, yeah. a, as a gold standard. Um, I guess, and again, I've worked in security companies, so I guess yeah. I probably know what the yeah. answer to this yeah. is. Are you then more relaxed going into a CISO role at a security company? Or have you still got the same concerns over our people doing their work securely on a daily basis? I think, that's a massively loaded question, right? Like, um, <laughs> I think it's bollocks, really. I think everyone, like, you know, you go to a conference and someone will go on stage and say, this is how I've, like, fostered this culture of security in the company <laughs> or whatever. And, yeah, people can materially improve things, but it's still ultimately on the security function to be, like, institutionalising that sure. change. Right? You've genuinely got to go out and give these people reusable artefacts, like, stuff that they mm -hmm. can consume. You can't expect an HR team to go, you know what I'm going to be really concerned about today is HIPAA. Yeah. Or, you know, that's just not going to happen. So make their jobs as easy as, mm -hmm. as they can be. Like, try and get security. And I wrote this somewhere not too long ago. Like, try and get security to be thought of, like, health and safety training. Something yeah. like that, do you know what I mean? Where everyone's like, they're not going into it every day saying, yeah, I really want to do my health and safety mm. training. But they do understand that they need it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and kind of we're like that digital equivalent, I guess. But and I guess when you've got security people, often, you know, if you're a security salesperson or a security marketing person, there's still an expectation there that you, want, that you, you get it. Yeah, like, and, and completely false in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you know, well, Tom, here's a question for you. I mean, what's it like? Because you run security in an even smaller company, a security company, and I guess there's certainly that expectation sometimes, isn't there, that people like me get it? Yeah. Does Ben Patch cry? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, no, that's, like, that's, that's a that's 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 I thought, No, I thought of that because that's like marketing and like oh, sales. Geez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one, isn't it? <laughs> I, I've got 44,000 tabs open. What can you please? Oh, God. God yeah. Sorry. It's, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think trying to just trying to look at things in the non in the weeds way and being able to say things right generally across the business is is really really hard it's easy with certain members of the team and there's certain certain areas of the business to be able to very very deeply and intrinsically embed security product development for example like yeah. it goes without saying security is an integral part of the product development process particularly within within the business but then trying to to um, well trying to stay from being dragged into focusing all your time and all your energy onto that area where the people are very receptive towards it because fundamentally they know they're building a security yeah. program and focusing on areas like sales and, and marketing where it's perhaps le there's less appetite to, to be able to look at it, but it's still just as, as fundamentally important, I think, is is a challenge. And it, it, it is something that, that you know, I've not got a, I've not got a magical... Um, magical way of being able to uh, to solve, except to every now and then remind people 
come on guys, this is a this is yeah, a security company. But like that's why it's what we do again, literally all my secrets today. Like that's I try and have like almost bifurcate security, certainly in startup organizations, to say, right, you've got IT security, it doesn't always work, but like IT security is the corporate stuff, mm. right? So my joke about joke about patching Chrome or about, you know, configuration for Macs or whatever it is. And like that's always in my experience like the, the most difficult area to get people to give a shit for your mm-hmm. because they're like, right, I'm out trying to sell, I'm out doing a marketing presentation. I don't want Chris having like a, a jamf thing that says, hey, bounce your box. Like yeah. I don't want that. The product side, so if you're IT security there, product side to your point, Tom, like fingers crossed, you can get engineers to understand why, hey, yes, we may need to have a DAST scan here, but it's for this reason, or mm. yes, we need to do this linting of your Terraform because, you know, you write crap Terraform or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever yeah. it is. Like, hopefully, that side is easier. I say hopefully because, you know, as companies grow, and I've seen this happen in various companies, companies grow, and then you don't just have one engineering team. Mm. You've got, like, outsourced people. You've got suppliers. That's when it, in my experience, gets mega difficult yeah. trying to do it that way. And, and how much do you think running, you find yourself running into where you feel like you know best in ways that maybe if you weren't a security company, you wouldn't feel like you do? Because I know when, yeah, we, yeah, get, yeah, when we get like, um, you know, vendor questionnaires and we get people asking us, do you have and do X, Y and Z? And I know full well that that's not something that we need to do in, in particular contexts. Yeah. They just like to see it. Mm-hmm. And if I maybe wasn't, you know, wasn't in a security company then it would be just a natural part of the process to say that this is what we do and, yeah, yeah. and all of that. It's almost another podcast on is the party risk management a cottage industry? Right? <laughs> uh, the answer is yes. No, the answer isn't yes. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Like I try, I honestly try and apply this. If I wouldn't, if if I wouldn't ask that question, I shouldn't be asked that question. Kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, Because yeah. what I've seen them like the 400, 500 question questionnaires. Um, and again, to my first point of, of the session, right? Like they expect the level of security for their environment, but they wouldn't fill in. If I sent them a 300, 400 question questionnaire, they wouldn't fill in. And that's got to look like you can try yeah. and like maybe get our industry to get to like a position of, of like parity. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Where, yeah, I'm just thinking of three or four examples recently where it's taken a team of like four people to collaborate to. Yeah like finish I bet you've done this haven't you because obviously you've gone Cyberhaven you've gone Tanium probably different businesses yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you ain't sending AWS a security questionnaire so there is a limit right yeah yeah, I guess you were at that limit at Tanium where certain occasions maybe someone was bigger than you yeah certain occasions they weren't bigger than you and I guess how did you how did you draw that line you try try, (laughs) in fact I've tried maybe not AWS but I've tried to send vendor questionnaires (laughs) or my teams have tried to send vendor questionnaires to some of these large companies and yeah in fact one of them which I will not mention sent back a brilliant in fact this is what you should do and I'm not going to say which company it is but they, they do this they send back this cookie cutter it's like a legal statement that says we're not doing this for the, it's a polite go away mm. but we'll send you A, B and C and I've got friends who are CISOs in, in big companies and like we all kind of agree that if you say no it's no but Yeah. so I think, no I'm not going to do that silly Excel spreadsheet but Here's all of our policy documentation. Mm. Here's our SOC two certificate, and here's like uh, like red team activity findings, mm. remediations, and how we do like continuous monitoring, for example. Yeah. If I get that, but then I'm relatively technical. Like if I get that, I'm like, well, I'd much prefer that mm. than you answering this 400 question, which is generally like yes, no. Yeah. So do you have 
a patch management program for your corporate estate? Mm. Yes. Like, have you ever patched anything? Like, yeah. That's never a question. They just yeah. want the yes or no. Mm. Of that. I don't know what my what the question was now, but like, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Mm. Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. I guess that leads us on nicely now with uh, talking about about security companies. I know you were at CII set yesterday. Yeah, uh, and part of your role that day was looking at startups and yeah. and, and what their their capabilities are. So, my question or the topic of discussion, <coughs> especially given the, I mean, you spent some time at Tadium, you were at Cyberhaven. Both businesses obviously have great technology. Yeah. Um, and from what I understand of those companies as well, actually do quite a good job of communicating what they do, mm-hmm. which isn't always the case. Um, so, you know, looking at the landscape at the moment, particularly 2023 and how AI is the the, yeah. the latest rage. Fixes everything. Um, you know, obviously fantastic use cases, but definitely doesn't apply everywhere, yeah. which seems to be the case yeah, at the yeah, moment. Yeah, it it does, does. Mark it does. So, you know, I'll just tell you my view. Go on. And set the scene. My view is that marketing don't write stuff that doesn't sell. Mm-hmm. So my view has never been blame the marketeers. My view is why are people buying it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. So like, God, there's my question to you. How yeah. are we splitting good tech from 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 over marketed tech, and yeah. and why are people buying it? Yeah, there's like an Empress New Clothes kind of thing isn't there where everyone starts talking about something and everyone's like shit we need to talk about this thing because everyone's talking about it yeah. AI, I was at RSA and Black Hat this year is it this year yeah both this year and yeah it literally was you'd go through the vendor halls mm. um, that's one of the cool things actually complete tangentially working for a vendor when I was end user so if you're at a bank or something mm. you walk through a vendor hall everyone's trying to like scan yeah. you go through as a vendor you're fine so like I can do that <laughs> and, like walk through these vendors and it was just like literally everything was AI mm. enabled and if you peeled the onion back of asking like you know what is the utility like, what is the benefit of this like is it you can do things quicker is it you can do things more accurately better fidelity or whatever and people don't always have a coherent answer to that mm. they start with the exam question of how do I embed AI in my product which is yeah. like a really stupid way of doing it because you want to be thinking like, what is a pain point that I have today yeah and are there things that can, and, and then branching out on what mm. type of AI? Because most people, when they say AI today, they mean large language models and yeah. something generative. And from a SecOps perspective, I've seen like some really cool, like SOAR and SIM use cases there. And there's some around like detections engineering where, like, yeah, AI can massively help. But if you're just putting in like a widget to say AI enabled, yeah. blah, Chat so, bot. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's difficult. But in terms of like, how do you find, how do you separate the wheat from the chaff, which I think is kind of what, yeah. what you're saying. Um, honestly, a lot of it, if it isn't like you defining, hey, I have this, I mean, it should always start with, hey, we have this problem. It should actually start with, hey, we have this risk in our environment and then <sighs> building backwards from there. Yeah. But honestly, in our industry and given like the world we live in in 2023, <sighs> like peer recommendations, like yeah. genuinely like, I'm in probably three or four kind of Slack and WhatsApp groups mm. where we talk about, which is bizarre, they still let me in them as a vendor, but like <laughs> I don't, I genuinely don't like abuse. With great power comes great responsibility. But like when people talk about vendors, like yeah. genuinely their experience is good, bad, how they've solved problems for them, um, yeah. when, how long did it take, how much did it cost kind of stuff. Mm. So that, that goes a long way. Um, and depending on time, like I've run security organisations before where we've needed to improve things like super quick, mm. where you just genuinely go to, in, I know some people are going to listen and go, oh, I wouldn't do this, but mm. like industry analysts, like genuinely, if something has made a quadrant or a wave yeah. or whatever it is, it's a pretty good place to start in terms of analysis. I mean, have your requirements, yeah. 
Um, that's another thing that amazes me, like the lack sometimes of requirements from people running security functions. Like they'll buy something because their predecessor bought it mm. or they've used it in another company, but mm. it's a bit of a round pigs. Yeah, yeah, square yeah. holes thing um, and the other thing super long answer again sorry but like the other major thing is relationships yeah I genuinely like if you look at this is going to be an awful quote but if you look at something like an EDR solution I'm thinking mm -hmm. can I say this like an EDR solution like all of the ones that are in that wave or quadrant or whatever yeah. for a lot of companies will do the job like yeah. quote unquote like that job is I have a particular threat actor with particular like techniques mm -hmm. the likelihood of this solution here versus this solution mm -hmm. stopping this thing mm -hmm. it depends on the thing so you, you have one or you have the other right yeah that's great but it's about the relationship that you have with like their customer success team and their product team mm -hmm. and their sales team and if you don't get the answers you need from them and you can't rely on them yeah. that's that's bad and i'm not going to go into specific examples but i've had some great tech before in companies and been loath to get rid of the tech but have because you've had shitty relationships with the whatever team like even then listening to your feature requests or yeah. and as someone who looks after product at the moment I should be careful saying that but you know having yeah. a mechanism to feed that sort of stuff back and definitely a tangent here but how much do you think is, is, is how much of the responsibility do you think that the venture capitalists have to bear for that cross what the feature side of it in terms of businesses being stripped back from a support element and and yeah. um, having to offer some hyper-scalable version of the product rather than something that yeah. the best the version of it customers would most like want to buy. <coughs> I thought you were asking about like AI being embedded into the products. A few friends of mine would no, say just, the boards, just, boards just, have a just say how well. businesses, you know, yeah. definitely speaking from our own experience, how you build something that customers want to buy, yeah. but in order for it to be fully investable, it needs to be hyper-scalable. And guess the first thing that gets cut when it comes hyper-scalable is feature requests yeah. when it comes yeah, to yeah, yeah. support. How can we make that as hard to reach as possible? Yeah. All these different things. I think I think tech can help a bit, like yeah. in all seriousness. Like if you've got a mechanism to feed in feature requests or you've got a you know a really robust knowledge base, for example, of how to, you know, configure the product or to uh, you know, different use cases and different patterns. I don't think it always has to be like a linear yeah. like people growth thing. And that yeah. always helps. It is tricky. And I think the times at the moment, like mean that it is a different proposition. Like 2023 Definitely. is a crazy world in tech and yeah. funding and, you know, all things associated with it. Of course it is. Of course it is. And then if we... One thing I often think when I'm looking, particularly as we live in this world now where you've got these, you know, big companies, I could probably name them like Palo Alto, CrowdStrike, Cisco, that are buying up, yeah. you know, endless companies. And inevitably we're moving towards this security as a service play yeah. for the enterprise, right? For the, for the really big enterprise. Um, and I, but, it, but then it becomes really important then at that point to separate the technology from the companies mm -hmm. and go, okay, what, what technology is out there that we need versus what companies are out there? Because you've got businesses like us yeah. and, and probably yourselves that have a really cool piece of technology and, and a, a real focus. Yeah. Um, and you can associate the brand with the technology. Yeah. You can't really do that for Cisco anymore. No. <laughs> you can't really do that for Palo. Do you know yeah. what I mean? There's, yeah. there's too much there. You know? yeah. So I don't know how you sort of navigate that. It, it's difficult and I don't think this is like a macroeconomic well maybe it is because they're buying up the companies but like there's always been this what people would consider like point solution versus yeah. platform mm -hmm. like dichotomy right um, I mean in theory platform I mean the benefit in fact I've written about this so I won't be disingenuous like yeah. the benefits of platform architecture of having like cohesion and I don't want to say single pane of glass because you punch me but like <laughs> you know single pane of glass is like profoundly important but mm. there will be cases where you know these platform players just don't have 
that specific technology or requirement yeah. that you have. And I'm not going to pitch Cyberhaven today, but like in like what we do, like data protection, mm. like DLP is like a, like a swear word, isn't it? Like yeah. it's not worked for the last 20 years and, you know, like CISOs hate it and yeah. it slows down boxes and stuff. And like we have a genuinely, I am now going to pitch, but like we have like a genuinely unique way of like providing data protection services that really, yeah, we do some DLP, but our USP is in the fact we have lineage and we can reduce the time like an operator needs to respond and higher fidelity and stuff. Like you don't get that I mean, you, you you can go and buy a DLP platform from, you know, vendors you've mentioned, from Microsoft, from whomever. Yeah. But if your requirement is you really do want to significantly reduce inside a risk or mm. you have a particular compliance requirement where this high fidelity data is required, like you have to then go for something yeah. specific. And, I, you know, I know intimately what you guys do and like it's kind of the same. Right? Yeah. You're not just doing pen testing. You're not just going out there and, you know, satisfying the annual ISO requirement. You're yeah. doing something for customers that need need that risk reduction, need that assurance. And dare I say, their customers and their supply chain need that as well. Yeah, and Tom, you'll know this. I mean, as a as a, a, a product, I mean, you know, as a company solving a very specific problem and definitely not a kind of a wider play, um, we've obviously had to go integration first. Like, yeah. like from day one, the very first piece of advice we got from basically anyone was great tech, but if it doesn't plug into my stack, yeah, yeah can't buy it. Um, and I guess you don't necessarily have that problem with a Cisco or something like that because you can, just, you know, you're plugging into that usually, yeah. right? That's the core system, or like an Octa or something like that. So, how have you found that? It's been pretty straightforward, to be honest. I mean, the because that's been the reality for at least the last sort of five, or maybe even more than that years. Pretty much every product has the capability to integrate with every other product in some way, shape, or form. And most of the people that you reach out to, particularly for the smaller companies, they jump at any opportunity because there's a commercial advantage to them, mm. especially if you've got a mutual customer mm. to make it so that you're both incredibly embedded in their um, in, in that customer's organization. But but I mean, even with with some of the bigger customers, you know. There will come a time when the Pareto principle comes into effect and we're having to build integrations that take absolutely ages just for one individual customer but at the moment you know you build four or five integrations and all of a sudden you've got hundreds and hundreds of customers who are jumping mm. because it just makes that thing do that one one thing that it is is missing at the moment that missing mm. piece of the puzzle that all of a sudden makes it 10 20 30 times more valuable than it than it currently is definitely mm. definitely cool um let's move on CISO burnout mm-hmm very topical at the moment and has been for a while and, and, and I definitely don't think we're surrounded by solutions as often as we are as mm-hmm. we are problems um, you know looking at the recent solar winds case not saying that that's you know the biggest reason of burnout and yeah. everything but these sort of things certainly don't help the sort of scrutiny element <coughs> doesn't help if we're, if, we're, if we're looking at the problem of burnout yeah um What's your thoughts generally on on burnout? Why it happens, and 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 you know, particularly, I don't know if you can share any stories, but in terms of how how you deal with it, um, I think I think it's I think it's highest or most relevant in organisations where it's a really cheesy answer, but it's what I actually do. Yeah, yeah. Um, where you're not connected with the rest of the business, right? So if you're going out there day in day out, you're doing whack a mole on vulnerable management, you know, you're doing all of these threat models for, and you're getting no feedback on yeah. like the value that that's bringing to the business. Like that can be. Oh, it can be soul destroying. Like right? you don't mm. feel like you're innately human to want yeah. to feel like respected and, and adding value. Um, 
and also in those organisations. So you've got that side of it, <coughs> coupled with what we've got at the moment where, you know, organisations are like having to cull people. Where's the first organisation that will go? It will be the organisation where the other sides of the business don't know what yeah. they do. So I see a lot of it happen on the ops side because generally, and I know we talked about AI and how it can improve some of it, but, you know, if you're somebody who's looking at, you know, triaging, responding and recovering from incidents, mm. and that is a time-intensive thing. And unfortunately, it's the area of security that's the most quantitative as well. Mm. Like how many things can you close a day? How many tickets? How many responses? How long did it take? Blah, blah, blah. These people are just doing more. Yeah. Like they're doing more with fewer resources. That's getting up to the CISO who's then hearing about all these constraints and all these problems. Mm -hmm. They're taking on more of that responsibility potentially as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a real thing. I just don't have the data. I'm going to be really unpopular with the CISO community here. I don't have the data to compare it to like a CFO or yeah. like a yeah, head of yeah, HR. Yeah. Like I'm sure if I go into their community, mm. you'll get HR burnout is real. Well, that first point stuff. you just said there really resonates with me because, you know, as a founder, one of the things, and I've been doing this for 13 months, right? So, so sort of just thrown into it. You don't get any training. You no. just have to figure it out, yeah. you know, and well, those that can and those that can't. Um, when this business has knockbacks or has positives, the general advice and the, and the party line is, like, your business is not a reflection of you personally. Yeah. Right, that's fucking impossible. Yeah, I said I wasn't going to use the F bomb. Yeah, but it's impossible. You said anything below F bomb. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, you go home, and I and I don't try not to let it affect me, but my partner and everyone around yeah, me yeah. must know that you know we didn't get some funding or something went wrong. Yeah, and and, and that's why it, it does. Yeah, of right. It does. And I guess that's to your point, the first point there. Um, you know, if the company gets breached, or if the more most probably more pertinently, if the project I wanted to get in, I haven't been able to get in successfully. Yeah. Or I've not been able to convince the board of X or Y, which probably happens a lot more often than the breach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, taking that stuff personally, because it's your career, you're yeah. thinking about the next move, everything else. Yeah. Um, it, you need to perform. It does, it does stress you out. And certainly when you look at things like even myself or, or like other, other people as well, um, you know, if it is budgetary cuts, if yeah. it is oh, we need to shave 12% off the security budget mm. or whatever. You do take those things incredibly personally. Like, yeah. of course, you like, why don't you understand? I write this awesome roadmap and security strategy. You should know why I need insert technology yeah. or person in, in some cases. Um, and how stuff. much, um, you mentioned community a lot, and I, and I guess that's probably going to be your answer here, um, but how much, like, I'm not going to say there were training, but like, how much of, of that, like, step up to CISO from wherever you came yeah. before. And I appreciate people come from GRC, from technical, mm -hmm. from wherever, really. Yeah. Practitioner or whether they just get transferred over from risk. Um, where Where is that training on how to be a CISO and how to lead it? Particularly when you get into a real CISO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was about, to say, I was about to say that, yeah. Like you can, that's probably another podcast. Actually, I probably ostracized myself <laughs> completely from the community if I give an honest answer to this. But, like you get... Lots of people have got CISO in the job title, haven't they? Yeah. Like, genuinely and stuff. And um, you possibly don't have those same... Like, if you're not engaged with your leader, if you're not part of or engaged with your... At least your like, audit and risk committee, yeah. and, like, you have your feet to the fire on, right, this quarter we're doing X, Y, Z, and we're going to reduce risk. And, you know, qualitatively, we're going to reduce mm. risk a lot, or we're going to build this solution, or in vendor world, we're going to ship this thing, or mm -hmm. whatever it is. If you don't have that... And it isn't about being in IT. I was going to talk about IT then and say if you're reporting into a CIO, reporting into a CTO, reporting into someone who's on the board, 
of course your stress is different. So many CISO roles are first time CISO roles, yeah. uh, first company CISO, yeah, yeah, yeah. because the company has only really just got big enough to have a CISO. Yeah. Or maybe they did have a CISO before, but it wasn't a proper CISO because they weren't yeah. big enough to have one. Now they've got a security team of north of 30, so it is a proper CISO yeah. role. Um, that, I guess there isn't necessarily a trodden path. Yeah, true. And that has an impact on how much training someone has inevitably received before just learning on the job. And I think it's that learning on the job element that can quite often cause yeah. the burnout. Yeah, I agree. It's like, <laughs> what is, philosophically or otherwise, like what is the other bit of it? Because the other bit of it is probably nothing to do with security, mm. is it? It's about conveying a message in a coherent fashion. Yeah. It's about people management. It's about managing your own kind of performance and being like introspective on what you're doing well and where you need help. Mm. Again, that's the biggest thing, like being vulnerable and being like open that, shit, this is the first time, for example, that I've done this or I don't know how to engage with this particular persona on yeah. the like leadership team or, or whatever. I think that's the biggest thing. I think you have tons of, you know, commercial offerings out there that say, hey, we will teach you how to be a CISO. Mm. But you just got to go and do it, right? Yeah, of course you do. I think... Um, I don't know. I'm really, I have some dissonance in the do I think a CISO needs to be technical. I mean, I do. Yeah. I do think they do because, and to use your CFO example, you don't have a CFO who goes into a board meeting and goes, oh, I don't really understand Excel. And <laughs> like, you know, it just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have. But it does see. It seems in some cases it's fair for a CISO to say, Oh well, I, I don't really understand this security stuff. I've got a team that does it. Yeah. Now, I know that'd be a terribly unpopular thing, probably in my community to say, but like you know, you especially because cyber in a lot of companies is so new. Mm. You will have left field questions. questions. I mean, from an audit committee, mm -hmm. I'm various examples in my career. They'll just ask you left field stuff because mm. it's, it's front page for them now, figuratively. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's in their apps. Like mm -hmm. oh, Chris, talk to me about this ransomware attack. Yeah, it, like they literally will ask you verbatim. Like, yeah. do you think we need red teaming? I've heard about mm -hmm. red teaming. I was at a World Economic Forum thing, and I've heard about red teaming. Mm -hmm. When are we going to do that? And you go, oh, I'll just talk to so yeah. and so. Like, no, they want to know. Mm -hmm. there and there. I mean, and. and Going Again, on a massive tangent. I, I could be massively unpopular here, but I, I reckon I'm probably speaking the truth in that the vast majority of security professionals don't necessarily grow up as pre-packaged executives no. like the finance people do, <laughs> like the operations yeah, yeah, people yeah, do. Yeah. So there is, no a, there is a quite often, I mean, the, the huge amount of neurodiversity in our yeah, sector yeah, yeah. as well yeah, obviously so. plays a part in that. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not exactly the best people for the role that have got the buy-in from the team and they can do all the stuff beneath them yeah. really well. And and I guess here's a question to you, Tom, as well. I mean, we definitely don't speak about this stuff enough. Um, but when I'm burnt out, it's not because I'm working too hard. It's because of the mental undercurrents yeah. of stuff that I'm not really dealing with, the pressure that I'm feeling yeah. that I'm not really dealing with that's going on under the hood whilst I'm working that's causing the burnout quite often. What's your your take on on burnout? I think I think what Chris was saying before really resonates with me. The learning on the job is a massive, massive part of the burnout process because all of a sudden, particularly if you're going from a technical to a leadership position, you have to learn not just the the sort of technical responsibilities of the job, but about the, the EQ side of the yeah. process as well, which I think technical people are notoriously bad at, right? You have to learn about interacting with people in a way that works with those people. And that's an incredibly stressful position that a lot of people end up being thrust into. And, and it can create quite a lot of 
sort of additional anxiety and panic and 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 challenges that I think people weren't expected because mm. nobody really imagines that EQ is just as important as IQ when it comes to leadership leadership yeah. positions. And then all of a sudden you discover actually it's in a lot of cases much more important. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I didn't get I didn't get what I wanted from the board. In in most other verticals like finance, everything else I could keep using finance, but. Like, you know, that would just be normal standard practice. We didn't get it. Yeah. It didn't go through whatever. Whereas security people, it's like, oh, the board don't care about security. Yeah. Like, and it's like, like you, you are just another part of the risk. Yeah. You know, if the business doesn't, if the business isn't secure, they're not a business. Well, if they don't make any money, they're not a business either. Yeah, so these are all... <laughs> they're obviously risks. And everyone talks about the board, and I've done loads of talks on how to engage with the board and lots of... I think you're funny, giving a talk next week on that. Funny one. puns. I'm not, I'm not now. I'm in New York this week, and annoyingly, like, yes, yeah, so I won't be at the... Lovely air miles. Uh, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> but it's in, like, I don't know, this does change depending on size of organisation, yeah. but everyone's Massive. obsessed with, oh, it's about how you engage with the board. Yeah. I mean, that happens, like, even if you're you know, a, a Fortune 100 CISO who's like, you know, part of the leadership team. Mm. You know, you're not dealing with the board day in, day out. No. You're not. You, the really important thing, and I'm making a mental note, Chris, you should write about this. Um, <laughs> it's the other member, it's the other business, it's the VPs of the company, yeah. right? Yeah. It's the people who are Executives. running. Yeah, yeah, it is much more. I mean, if you can get them on side, you're then just really kind of summarizing your interactions and your kind of successes, hopefully successes, with them to this, you know, group who, of course, they they ultimately make or break the company, they decide, mm-hmm. they hire and fire, whatever, but they are going to take the advice and the guidance of those other stakeholders who, mm-hmm. um, I think, of various, my own engagements in big companies and smaller companies, they just want really an update. Are we doing okay in this thing? Mm-hmm. We trust this leadership team to come and tell us when that isn't the case. Mm-hmm. So if you have these people here on the side, your board engagements should be, should be right. And no two boards are the same either. Look, I think... In my, I'm now, I'm not going to repeat them, but you can get, yeah, you can get as detailed and into the minutiae of red teaming, yeah. or you can get some people who, you know, looking at a cell phone, oh, Chris is coming to talk about security, right? Okay, <laughs> now I can, I can update my yeah, fantasy yeah. football team or whatever, yeah. like, you know, yeah. so it's difficult, it's difficult, and it does change depending on what's going on in the world. Yeah, and if it was, if they were all the same, then and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as hard as, uh, as, as it inevitably is. Always right? fun. Yeah. Perfect. Well, th- thank you, Chris, for, for, for coming in today, this has been uh, Of course. This has been very insightful. I know we've covered off a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you, awesome. mate. Appreciate no, it. Awesome. Do this more often. It's good fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, pal. Thanks, chaps. Cheers.